Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin Show. I'm Jeff Rubin, and I want to talk a little bit about Cars 2 at the top of the show today. Uh, coming up in a few weeks, we're going to have a whole summer movie review that uh, my good, good friend Pat Castles is coming in for. But I don't think he saw Cars 2, so I, I kind of want to get that one out of the way now. I didn't like Cars 2, and I really wanted to. I wanted to find a reason to like it. Because I like Cars 1. I don't think it's the best Pixar movie. It's not an incredible movie. It's not The Incredibles. But it's a pretty solid movie. Cars 2 even betrays Cars 1. Cars 1 is all about Lightning McQueen, who's this hotshot race car. And he has to learn to slow down a little and learn to appreciate small town life. In Cars 2, Lightning McQueen literally ditches his girlfriend on a date because his friend Mater, who is the Larry the Cable Guy character, has challenged an Italian race car to a race on the news, and Mater was also at the restaurant because he was pretending to be a waiter. It's uh, this whole thing. You know, I know it's Cars, I know it's a cartoon, and I, I shouldn't be digging that deeply, but I feel in Cars 1... All right, I'll just say this. In Cars 1... It didn't bother me that there were just talking cars. I just kind of accepted that as the premise for the movie. Like when you see Ratatouille and you accept, okay, the rats in this movie talk. But in Cars 2, the plot starts to head in some directions where I have to start asking more questions. Like the villains are very concerned because they're not being manufactured anymore. And I'm like, all right, well, hold on. How does reproduction even work in this Cars world? Do they... Uh, does a boss car decide what new cars to make? Are there mommy and daddy cars? I, I know it's not that big a deal. There's a tow truck with a rocket pack in this movie. But in this case, it's important to the plot. It's the whole villain's motivation. And those who have been exposed to me for any amount of time over the past 10 or 15 years know I'm a huge Pixar super fan. It's hard to explain exactly what that means because Pixar is so good. And everyone, everyone is in a way a huge Pixar super fan. So let me tell you what, uh, what it means to me, not that this is a competition, everyone can be a Pixar superfan, but just to give you an idea, I'm in my bedroom right now, and I'm looking around, and I am like a Buzz Lightyear action figure away from having the same exact bedroom I had when I was nine years old. Obviously, all the Pixar movies are here, organized chronologically. Uh, Pixar Shorts, the DVD of just all the short films, that is organized first chronologically because it has some of their earlier stuff. Believe me, that was a decision that I struggled with for some time. Then I have the Toy Story Ultimate box set. That's Toy Story 1 and 2 and a third disc of extras. Uh, at the time, it was the Ultimate box set. Obviously, Toy Story 3 has since been released. Then A Bug's Life. Then another copy of another special edition of Toy Story 2. And then the rest of the movies just chronologically... Uh, the Iron Giant is filed in there chronologically because I feel like at its heart, its spirit, it's kind of a Pixar movie. Putting the Iron Giant in with my Pixar movies, the highest honor I can bestow from my living room. Continuing around my room, I also have framed Pixar concept art. I think that if you take a still from a Pixar movie and just put it on a poster, that doesn't look very good because the art is in the way they move and the motion, and the stills don't look great. But when they're developing the movie, they have these artists do concept art for the movie of all the characters and stuff, and that is gorgeous. I have several framed pieces of Pixar concept art in my room. I have Pixar books, the Pixar treasures, the art of Pixar, the art of the Incredibles. I have the Pixar story. And we always knew that one day, I think we all always knew that one day, Pixar would release a bad movie. And now that they've had 
what I think we can all now acknowledge is their first real miss. I would love for them to update one of these books because they all have this tone about how did this magic perfect dream factory come together, this incredible place where nothing can go wrong. And now that something has gone wrong, I'd love to understand what is going on inside Pixar. How are they handling that failure? How are they handling the bad reviews? Obviously, they're still making boatloads of money. I'm sure they're not that upset. But it seems to me that a lot of people are really mad, feel almost betrayed that Pixar made a bad movie, and they're angry at Pixar. But I think that's kind of unfair. When Joe DiMaggio didn't get a hit in that 57th game, people didn't boo him. They celebrated the 56 that he got in a row. And I think it's kind of the same with Pixar. It is really, really hard to make a movie, just to get a movie made. And if you make a good movie, a movie that people love and people of all ages all over the world, that's like a small miracle. And Pixar did that 11 times in a row. And I I don't even know where I'm going with this. I just kind of wanted to talk about it and get it out there. And I guess that's kind of the fun part about having a show named after myself because I can just talk about whatever I want. And something else I want to talk about today is pizza with my good friend Scott Wiener. Uh, I have known Scott for probably 20 years now. We went to summer camp together. We went to high school together. Our families are friends. And Scott has this business he started called Scott's Pizza Tours where he takes both locals and tourists all around New York to some of the best pizzerias in the world, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Everyone ready? Here we go. Give me pizza. P-I-Z-Z-A. Give me pizza. Scott's Pizza Tours is a guided tour of significant pizzerias throughout New York City. How do you define significant? That's exactly that's exactly why I use the word significant because it's it leaves it very open. It's not necessarily historic pizzerias. It's not necessarily Famous pizzerias, not necessarily the top rated, but they're significant. So maybe there's something there, uh, whether it be the type of oven that they have, or maybe the style of pizza that they make, or their approach to pizza, or their ingredients, something that makes it stand out. There's a walking tour, there's a bus tour. The tour is only in New York, correct? Yeah, only in the five boroughs. Yeah, the, the bus tour is only on Sundays, just because it's the least amount of traffic. And that's four different pizzerias anywhere in New York City, no limits. But the walking tour is pretty much every other day, and that's like a Manhattan walking tour. It's more more places where, you know, if you want to do it, it's a three-hour walking tour. So it's, you know, kind of for like um, the pizza fan or the traveler who wants to get a big dose of New York pizza but doesn't want to have to spend half their day, like, hunting down the one great pizzeria to go to, to go to three. Now, we have been friends for a very long time. I know you, you know me. And everyone knows we know each other. And the question I get the most when I see someone I haven't seen in a while, friends, family, anyone, is, is Scott still doing that? Is that, and that's like his full-time job? And I actually just got off a tour with you, and I heard people on the tour asking you that question. Yeah. So let's start there. This is your (laughs) full-time job. (laughs) Yeah, I get that question. I get that question a lot on the tour because, you know, especially, I mean, we just did a Sunday bus tour. Right. Uh, Like, just got off the bus moments ago. And on the bus tour, people say to me, oh, so what do you do for the rest of the week? And then I'm like, oh, well, you know, I do these walking tours. And it's funny. Then they're like, oh, like, what kind of walking tours? And I'm like, well, pizza walking tours. And then the, the first they have to get past the whole, like, that all I do is these pizza walking tours but then they ask okay so then what's your real job like they used to they used to say what is your real job but i think now they're they're more of like 
they know that that's my real job because maybe they read it online, but they kind of want to like quiz me about it. They think that there's more, there's a deeper story. But yeah, it's my full time job. And you pay your rent with this mm-hmm. everything. Yeah, it's all it's all I do is pizza tours. I mean, now I'm getting into more pizza writing and more pizza consulting and working with pizzerias or you know sometimes TV shows if they're doing a like a cooking channel. Episode like what shows pizza. have you been on? Uh, I've been on. Uh, uh, the Travel Channel's Food drop Wars. Drop some names. We're, we're going to drop them. Travel Channel Food Wars. Um, the Cooking Channel, I was on a show called The United Tastes of America. I was on Blaze Off, which was Richard Blaze's show for Discovery Science Channel, where we did, um, he did like a sciencey pizza versus one of the most famous pizzerias in New York City, which is Patsy's up in Harlem. Uh, those are some of the more recent ones. But then there's some other stuff coming up that might happen, like little shows here and there. But I mean, like all I do is pizza. I've been, just started, I just told you, I just started writing for, um, Pizza Today magazine. I've been writing for PMQ magazine, which is Pizza Marketing Quarterly, PizzaMarketplace.com, all kinds of pizza industry places. But what I don't get, I was introduced on the tour as one of your friends, and you, you mentioned that we've known each other for a while, and someone was like, how did he get into this? And I was like, you know, I don't really know. It, was, it seems so gradual mm-hmm. that by the time you were like, I'm going to start doing this pizza tour thing as a business. It just seemed like the obvious next step. And we're like, yeah, Yeah, okay, that makes sense. How did did this come to be? Yeah, I think it's really funny because most people are like, oh, you know, like they hear stories about maybe somebody will quit a job. And then it's like they expect a drastic story of like I was a Wall Street money counter or something. And then I lost my job when the market crashed. And then I started this as a labor of love or anything. And it's like not nearly so drastic. So it's not that great of a story. But I mean, you know, I've just always been into eating pizza. I just who doesn't you know who doesn't love pizza? Yeah, everyone likes eating pizza, but as far as I know, you have taken it farther than anyone else. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I was, I guess, I, because whenever we would go out and eat pizza, you know, like just this is years ago. We're years just ago. we're just friends. Yeah, we're like I don't know, sixteen years old, eating pizza. Like that's one thing, you know. But then I think in, in college, where it started getting more like provincial, like you know, you were at Penn State, mm-hmm. I was in Syracuse. Um, and you know, you'd, whenever you would go to the other college, you know, getting whatever was the local food was cool. You know, like you go to Syracuse and we get like dinosaur barbecue. You know, because mm-hmm. uh, what, pe- what was it at Penn State? Uh, at Penn State, oh, that's a good question. Well, creamery ice cream. Creamery ice cream. Yeah, I mean, but, that's... but you know where I'm going with this? Uh, where boots? Canyon? Oh, boots! Oh, was, oh, sorry, I thought you were talking about pizza. No, 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 no. Canyon. Just. Yeah, sorry. Boots. I had it's to, all about boots. Any excuse to bring up boots, like I can check that off. Mention boots on the podcast boots, now. Great sandwich, fourteen inch sandwich. I'll never forget it. I'll and never it, forget that weekend where I ate hundred inches. Boots, of by the way, is not even really a restaurant. It's just like a deli that serves incredible. It's sandwiches. like the convenience store in the floor of the dorm building. Yeah, is not what it was. <laughs> oh, it's in the floor of an apartment building, yeah. but it's phenomenal. Oh, so and of course, we go to Rutgers and uh, go to the, grease our trucks. friends at Rutgers and visit the grease trucks. Grease trucks. So yeah, so it's, it's it's all about like provincial food. You know, you're in Philly, you eat a cheesesteak, and like. I guess it was because the pizza was so bad in both of those, in really any college town, but especially in our college towns, it, it kind of made me respect our hometown, like suburban New Jersey pizza so much more. And like the, the fascination with eating pizza sort of grew out of the, the, the dissatisfaction with pizza in college. And then like in summers in college, whenever I'd go out with a band and travel around, we'd go and eat pizza in... Like a different city. You would day. tour. You before before you were a pizza maestro. You were a musician. You yeah. still are, and uh, you would tour with. Uh, you, so you tour with the band across the country and just stop at pizzerias that way. Yeah, and that was probably like the big 
event that happened if with me that changed my whole pizza world which was like trying pizza in all these different cities like i remember the first time we were going to play a show in new haven i'd heard that like oh new haven is supposed to have all this great pizza so i remember like booking that show knowing that i was going to eat pizza before the show and after the show at and this point you're just awesome. an amateur pizza eater totally well well you remember like when i when when we tour we i'd eat pizza everywhere and then our friend michelle made me uh, mm-hmm. a little notebook like a journal book and she wrote on the front of it, Scott's Pizza Journal. And every page she had pre-written, like, the name of the pizzeria, date, who am I with, what toppings, and then, like, a whole area for comments and, like, a scale of different stickers that she gave me for, like, what rating each one got. So I think it was once I was given that pizza journal that eating pizza became academic and that going to these different pizzerias was, like, it was, like, important to track what was so different about each place. And it was like, at that point, it wasn't about what kind of oven do they have. It was like, what does a pizza taste like? That's something that you've incorporated into the tour itself because when it starts, you get a goodie bag full of candy. And totally. uh, one of the things in there is a little mini notebook and you encourage everyone to take notes. Totally, yeah. It's a pizza journal. It's just because that was what I used whenever, you know, tracking. Like, I'd have, it's not like having like a, uh, you know, like some bands, like you go on tour and people keep like a journal of like what they did in each city. And mine was just about pizza. And the guys that I would be touring with would know. They'd be like, oh, well, we got to stop at a pizzeria so Scott can fill in a page. And that would, within that page, it would have the story of like, oh, and we're going to play a show tonight and it's going to be awesome because we're opening for this band. And like everything else would be incorporated into it. But the header was pizza. Do you still keep the journal to this day? I don't. I, uh, I kept it for a long time and I have probably four books filled and I still have them in my room. But, uh... I, I think the problem is I've been visiting so many pizzerias. Like, I, the, my backlog is probably six hundred pizzerias. I mean, point. for me, I think probably the highlight of the tour I just went on is maybe that first ten minutes whenever you're checking everyone in, and there's there's this little mini show where you're like, "Where are you from?" and then it's on you to like give some pizza trivia about the place they're from. Mm-hmm. And do you do you have to research that because someone's like, "I'm from St. Louis," and you're immediately like, "Well, emos." Emo's in St. Louis, which is a pizzeria that I've never eaten at. But like uh, all, like but all it's your it is, it's your business to know, to know if someone's it, where the pizza is in St. Louis. Exactly, totally. Well, but but that's just that just comes from being like part like involved in this pizza world. You know, it just like I don't I don't go out of my way to be like, oh, I gotta name a place in Toronto. You know, it's just like I would know that place in Toronto just from being in the pizza world. It's like the the pizza tour is secondary to just being a real huge pizza fan. You know what I mean? Like, I don't run the pizza tour as a primary thing and then have, like, the rest of my life try to fill in doing that pizza tour. It's more like I'm a pizza lover first, and that tour is just, like, one outlet for me to to do pizza stuff. You know I what thought I mean? probably the most fascinating moment there was when someone said they are from upstate New York. I think they were from Mantoba or something. And you were like, oh, that's where they make the wheat that they use at this other pizzeria well, we're going to. <laughs> Well, it wasn't even a pizzeria. It wasn't even a pizzeria. Oh, it was in Canada. It's I'm Canada. sorry. Yeah. But it was a. Uh, it wasn't even a pizzeria. It was a wheat manufacturer that we were going to. Yeah. Enjoy. Well, because you know, it's like, like I said, I, you, I just you've taken it to that level. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because when I first started doing the tour, it was like, oh, let's go to some cool pizzerias that taste really good, uh, and then I would start getting questions that were more detailed. So I started researching like ahead, knowing that oh, what if somebody asked me this and. Like, nobody's ever asked me a question about specific wheat varieties, but if somebody ever did, I know I can cover that. And, I, like, anything that's a tool that I can pull out when somebody asks about difference between, like, pizza here and pizza there, any tool is helpful. And I'm always researching. So, like, lately I've been learning a lot about wheat, which is why I know about Manitoba. Manitoba is, is actually a name that's used for uh, wheat, that uh, flour that Caputo, a company in Naples, 
they make this flour that's extremely high protein, and they call it the Manitoba flour because wheat from Manitoba, from Canada, is extremely high in protein, which is good for certain applications in the pizza world. How did you research all this? How did you begin to approach it? Because I remember when it started, there was some time where you were spending time in the, at the Historical mm-hmm. Society. You were spending time in the uh, public library in New York. Oh, yeah. Oh, constantly. Uh, well, because I knew that running a tour, you know, like this format, this outlet for like a pizza obsession, I knew that it's, it's going to bring in tourists and that tourists need you, need, you need to pack in info and you need to pack in like tons of features. So I needed to have a whole bunch of historical background. So like with pizza in general, um, a lot of the history of pizza in New York is the history of like old bakeries and of old like immigration populations. So I, I sort of stretched like what I could do academically. And that's when I started going to like all the, all the old archives. Like I knew, basically I knew that if I was taking a pizza tour, I want to see a picture of Lombardi's that's like a sweet old picture that maybe not everybody knows from all the pizza books, you know, like so I so I, I hunted it down and I found some really cool pictures in the archives and wasn't there an, an occasion where you learned something that the pizzeria didn't even know about themselves? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. That was um John's okay, so John's pizzeria on Bleecker Street opened in nineteen twenty nine and on their awning it says nineteen twenty nine. And John's is one of the best in New York. I oh, think. It's you're, gonna, you're gonna find it on any top ten list in New totally, York. Totally, totally. Yeah, Huge pizza. line out the door all the time. Awesome pizza. I go there probably four times a week on walking tours. But you know, I went into the management one day and I said, guys, uh, I was looking around in some old phone books. I do a lot of research in old phone books uh, just because this way you can kind of place when a business was around or when it left. You know, This, is the, the, this is the side of pizza research that people don't consider when they get really know. excited about your job. I didn't know about the phone book. Well, you know what's crazy is that I was so into doing the phone book research that I wanted to know more about the phone book. So I just finished reading this awesome book all about the history of the phone book. So now I understand more about even like like – I, I'm just researching more about the means of researching, just so I can understand the full context. The books I see you reading sometimes, like you'll show up and you're not carrying a bag or anything, but there's just a a 500 page book about bread, or uh, you were recently reading a book that I believe some it was like the new and improved guide to burning wood. <laughs> yeah. And I remember uh, your roommate, my friend Justin, saw it and he was like, "You would not believe what they're doing with logs these days." Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a real Justin line. Yeah. But, but yeah. Well, and yeah. But I mean, then it came up today. I mean, when we were on, uh, we went to, which was an incredible stop. We went to the. Uh, you want to describe that that third stop? We were. Yeah, we yeah. We, we went to the backyard. Of a guy, of a pizza maker who works at a pizzeria in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, called Polly G's, and he has built an oven in his backyard. It's a wood-fired brick oven, and we just went to this dude's backyard, chilled out. He made a whole bunch of pizzas for us. It was incredible. Talked about oven construction with a guy because you know, like on the pizza tours, people want to learn more about the, the you know the the, the the bits that you you wouldn't normally know that you wanted to know about. Like going around and just eating pizza is boring, but going around well, and eating pizza and getting well, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like context makes it so much more interesting. But goddamn, if you didn't ha- if you didn't have an opportunity to start talking about wood burning and how the wood you throw wood chips on, and there was a what is it called a refreshing time or a regeneration time? Yeah, yeah. And the, you you had all these technical terms about burning wood. Well, because you know what you know what it is like. There's there's stuff that I'm going to be talking about ne- like next year. Like if if we fast forward a year and this exact tour happened, there would be other things that I'd be talking about. Just because a year's worth of research, there might be something that happened today that like I couldn't talk about. Maybe by next year I will have researched more about bricks. How long have you been doing the tour now? Three years. 
I think this is my third or fourth tour. I go, I go about, I went on your very first one, and of course we've eaten millions of pizzas together, mm. but I, I go about once a year, and it seems like maybe it's gotten a little more scientific, it's gotten a little more technical. It definitely has, and that's, that's been, I think, the big problem with the tour lately, is that sometimes there's so much that I want to talk about that like my brain slows down, and I get confused, and I sort of... I have to really realign. Like you may notice that, like now, I think I, I think I stutter more, and I like I need time to like let my brain catch up with with what I'm gonna do. So um, yeah, it's just because the more information I have, the more I want to talk about because I feel like wow, there's so much stuff that's relevant to what we're doing right now that all these people have to know about the wood and about the bricks and about you know heat and dough and flour and all that. So I have to really be selective now about what I talk about. Where two years ago. You know, I I talk and it would be fine, but I, I wouldn't have to go into the detail about the type of wheat that was milled into the flour that made the dough that made the pizza's crust. I think the most exciting part of this tour, and probably any tour, is when someone asks you a question, even a very weird question, and you don't even hesitate. You have the answer immediately, because anyone can memorize three hours of script and do it, but when someone challenges you and you then know it, that's when you're like... Oh, oh. dude, that's my favorite part of the whole tour, because, you know, I, and I always start off the tour by, by reminding people that this is not really a tour i'm not going to just drive them around and point at buildings uh, when people see there's a bus tour they think it's going to be like oh there's a pizzeria there's a pizzeria but it's 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 a conversation like i love when it's a conversation that's why i try to encourage people to ask questions and i've never written a script for the for the bus tour uh i want people to you know like think about something and something to come up because then it means they're going to be more engaged in the answer so if i'm just rattling off information for th four and a half hours they're not going to care but if they ask a question about the cheese then I answer it, then they'll all be like, yeah, I, I asked you that, so I do want to know. Let me play a clip from the tour today of someone asking you a question. Okay, guys, the question is the definition of fresh mozzarella, okay? Within the pizza industry, the legal definition of fresh mozzarella is a minimum of 51% moisture content. This is the white cheese that comes out and looks white. It's like you buy it in supermarkets in a little ball. Sometimes, um, I've seen this on, uh, like in pizzerias that use oily, greasy cheese, and they say fresh mozzarella. What they mean is that, oh, we just bought it, and we just opened the package. That's, a, that's what they call a low moisture or an aged mozzarella. Here's the scoop. The two pizzerias we've eaten from so far, both brick ovens, both use fresh mozzarella cheese. There's a reason for that. A fast bake means that you have very quick dehydration. If you use a low moisture mozzarella cheese in a hot, hot oven with a fast bake, it decomposes and it pulls apart and you lose its you lose its strength and its stretchability. We don't want that, okay? Which is why you only start using low moisture mozzarella cheese when we switch from brick ovens to deck ovens. Deck ovens are a lower temperature. Deck ovens are gonna take a lot longer to bake. This way you wanna have a cheese that's got more of an oil content which can withstand the heat of an intensely hot brick oven. So you find a brick oven pizzeria more likely more often than not it's going to be a, uh, a fresh mozzarella cheese but it's interesting you talk about getting people involved because there is something like almost a socratic method to the pizza tasting where you uh you get everyone back on the bus after you leave the pizzeria and you're like all right what did everyone think of that one mm -hmm. yeah because it's I, I i'm i'm not feeding people things to be like this is the best neapolitan pizza this is the best sicilian pizza it's more like I want, I want people to react to it, and then I can fill in the blanks about, well, why was the crust that thick and crunchy? Why was the cheese so melty and greasy? Like, I, I think that's way more interesting than, than telling you, oh, now this sauce is made from a rare tomato. 
enjoy it, and then never talking about it again. Let's listen to a clip. This one's going to be the opposite. It's going to be you asking the people on the tour some questions. How many of you guys enjoyed this grandma slice? Awesome. Uh, maybe about 50%. How many of you guys did not enjoy it? All right, a couple of folks. That's okay. No, guys, it's okay. That, that, that's why we're here to talk about it. I, I would not in a million years expect 24 people to agree that every pizza we eat is good. That there would be something wrong, you guys would probably be lying to me. I don't want you to lie, okay? I want to show you guys some pizza that's totally different. Okay, now for those of you who didn't like it, I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I wanna talk about this. Uh, uh, tell me what part of it was not cool for you. Crust. Crust. Way too crunchy, hard, dense. Okay, that's all happening because it's been, it has not been left to proof. You know a Sicilian slice? Is that like, it's a pillowy square slice of pizza. And they let the dough proof, which means that it rises while it's in that square shape. Then they cover it and bake it. That's why a Sicilian slice is really has a lot of bite to it. This is a lot more toothy and a lot more dense. So, and that's all because it's 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 not proofed a second time. Actually, you know what they do is they try to stop it from rising by piercing all the bubbles inside the dough. You know, the reason that dough rises is because you have little yeast, you have little gas cells, and the way that they pierce those gas cells is they use what's called a dough docker. And you may have seen on the underside of your slice, if you investigated, little tiny holes. And those holes are because they take, well, basically it looks like a paint roller, but it has spikes coming out of it. And those spikes go through the dough and they pop little bubbles. So this way the dough cannot rise. All the bubbles have been pierced. It's like the effect of taking a balloon and cutting a little hole in the balloon. You can't blow it up. All the air is escaping. An uncut balloon is going to capture all that gas, okay? So that's why that crust came out the way it came out. What about the sauce? But did anybody not like this sauce? Oh, you like the sauce? Okay, okay. Sauce is awesome. This sauce was, and the reason why I ask you is because this is the first sauce, actually, this is the first sauce today that's, that's, that I would call a sauce. The other sauces, I would only call them tomatoes because all they involve are tomatoes and salt, and they're not cooked. This one is actually slightly cooked. But it's 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 added to the pizza at room temperature, and it's a combination of different tomatoes, and it's got seasonings. So I would call it more of a sauce, and it's tasted like something you could eat on pasta and be very happy with. Yeah. A pasta sauce and a pizza sauce are usually totally different. This is the only one that is a really a pasta sauce that I think tastes great on a pizza. On every pizza tour I've been on, it always starts with the first or second stop. Everyone's like, "Can you believe he's talking about the wood? This is ridiculous." But then. By the second half of the tour, everyone's like, look at the cheese on this one. This is aged mozz. Yeah, everyone gets yeah. super into it. I'm glad you saw it because that's, 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 that's like my goal. My goal is not for them to be like, oh, I'm glad that Scott, you know, like, led us around all this stuff. I want, my goal is for them to end the tour having the tools to pick out that stuff. Like, the first stop is always about, like, let me show these guys that pizza is more than a fast food. Second stop is about, like, let me show them the variation is cool. And that not every slice they eat is going to be identical. Then at the third stop is when they really start to take off themselves. Totally. And then fourth stop is just... A fourth, fourth stop is when they can... When they're solo. Like, I don't have to talk at the fourth stop. Because usually that's where you'll be like, Oh, I see what's going on here. Like, today's fourth stop was a gas-fueled deck oven. And people already knew from going to three brick ovens prior to that, that they knew the way heat works in a brick oven. And they, I think they can infer the differences with how it works in a deck oven just by eating that slice. And I mentioned deck oven and brick oven. I never have to define them. On the tour, by the end, people probably know. And they could probably go to a pizzeria. I get emails all the time when they say, oh, I got this pizza from a deck oven. Can you explain why it blistered like this? I didn't think that was supposed to happen. It's awesome. So you select the pizzerias to kind of give them almost almost a story arc to the yeah, afternoon. Yeah, it's always... I, I like to think of them as curated pizza adventures because there's 
they're, they're curated because there's a, there is a definite arc to it. There's there's reason why we go to those four. We don't just go to four because they're close to each other or because they all taste good. It's it's four that that tell a story. And you can make any four pizzerias really tell a story if you really stretch it enough. But today was all about understanding different ovens. We really didn't talk about that fourth oven because by that point of the day. People were kind of pizzaed out, you know. Today, today's story was raining, and we were outside for part of it. We got an extra slice at that in the backyard we too, did. which was the mortadella, which was incredible. Yeah, that was my favorite pizza. Best pizza of the day. I always recommend your tour when people have family visiting, because it's one of the very Thanks. few things that I think kids and adults can both enjoy at the same time. Almost like a Pixar movie or something. There's <laughs> very few things that I think you can like. Nine-year-old kids and their dads and their moms yeah. and their sisters can all get excited about it. It seems like you get all, all ages on the tour. Totally, yeah. And because lately it's been on a lot of online lists for like cool things to do with your teens, which I think is awesome. And I always try to encourage people to do family thing. Because Nothing sounds lamer than cool things to do with your teens. I know, I know. and that, But I never knew, and I haven't really seen this list, but people come with their teenagers. Like today we had, I think, two families with mm-hmm. kind of youngish kids, you know? And it's cool because the kids sometimes end up being way more hardcore about the pizza than the parents. Like today, there was a kid who the parents told me this story about how you know they were in Rome and the kid was four years old and he hated the pizza and he asked them like why were they served frozen pizza at this place like it's awesome in a lot of ways sometimes it's those kids who are like taking the parents on something like that you know and also when you're in New York City there's there's so much stuff you can do that's it's not lame it's really cool like going up the Statue of Liberty or the Empire State Building is really cool but you know those are kind of stuff that are uh, you know that that's like that's already on your schedule you're already gonna do that. This is something that's a little, uh, a little freaky. You have to get, and I'm a little bit cheating because I know you and I've heard you tell stories about this in the past. You have to get some some kind of know-it-alls on the tour. Oh yeah, who just show up and are like, the di- let me if I could jump in here real quick and, and explain something. How do you deal with those people? You know, I I love it when I get people like that. Usually within the first few minutes of the tour, they they mellow out a little bit. And really, the best way to deal with that is you know let them say their piece. But then, more often than not, I find that they have inaccurate information, and I just try to very smoothly correct it. Like, I don't, I'm not at all trying to prove that I know more than anybody. I do get a lot of people who say, oh, get ready, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to the tour with, I'm going to zing you, you know? Like, they think that I'm, like, going out to, to be an expert, but, you know, you got to let them say their piece, but then, but then correct it if it's wrong. Uh, you were telling me that there was someone, and I, I don't want to get too specific about it, but they were, they, they kept insisting things were one way the entire <sighs> tour. And then you already know you already know this person. Yeah, it was uh, like four weeks ago. I remember exactly who it was. I don't want to give too much information. What if he listens to the Jeff Rubin Jeff? Rubin <laughs> yeah, podcast? he's one of one of the dozen people listening to this. Well, the it guy, wasn't it wasn't either of our moms. No, <laughs> so and, but he might know your. He mom. might know my mom. <laughs> yeah, but he's the guy. He's from Rome, um, and sometimes you get people from Italy, and then they're like, "Well, I'm from Italy." And the thing about you know pizza in New York, especially, is that it's very Neapolitan focused pizza. And of course, if you're in Italy and you're in Naples then there's, you know, there's only one pizza, and that's Neapolitan pizza. So I, I talk about, well, there's differences between Roman and, and Neapolitan, but this guy was saying things that were completely off the wall, and it was the, it was the only time, and this is why I remember it so vividly, the only time I've ever, like, gotten, like, physically, like, angry, and I think I handled it okay, but I just told him, no, that's actually incorrect, or, like, mm, that's a- actually the opposite of what's true, you know? He'd say some things with really blanket statements. The thing about pizza is there's no like true or untrue there's there are certain facts and certain like physical and chemical things that are happening that could be true or not true but there's no one right or wrong way to do it and that's why i think the tour has gotten more scientific it's because i like to give people evidence for why something happens not just say like their pizza is awesome because they're really cool well i remember you saying that at the end of the tour 
you were able to conclusively prove him wrong because you had the rule book printed out with you, yeah. and you had two copies of it. Yeah, well, this because this guy at one point said, oh, well, you know, uh, they, they put oil on their dose to help them stretch it out. They all do in Naples. And I was like, well, according to VPN code, which is what a lot of these guys abide by, whatever. Uh, VPN code, by the way, is Vera Pizza Napolitana. It's true, true Neapolitan true pizza. pizza. I just went on the tour. I'm bingo, bingo. cheating. Yeah, well, you're, you, yeah, it's okay. But, but when, you, when you follow these rules, it, you, know, you get a certificate and the whole thing. And one of the rules is that you are not allowed to use oil in your dough. And, and this guy was like, they all do. They all put oil in their dough. And I'm like, no, no, no. First of all, the rules say it. And second of all, no, when I go to these pizzerias, and I've been to Naples a couple times, and I stare at them while they're making pizza, and it's like, I just don't understand why you push so hard for something that is completely false. It's just, I, I don't like, like, it's funny to have people who, like, you know, think that they're, that they know a ton, but part of what offends me about it is they think that I'm trying to prove that I know more than anybody else, and I don't. That's the only not what difference, it's about. Yeah, it's not, it's not about that at all, but I think some of them think, because they've seen a review online that said, like, that, oh, Scott knows everything about pizza. Like, I'm going to say it right now, in public, on the Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin Show, I do not know everything about pizza. I'm not a pizza maker. I have never worked in a pizza. You've got to be like one of the leading experts in just in consuming nah. pizza, don't you think? I, no, nah, I don't Who think so. Who knows more there about is, eating pizza than you do? Sh- there is a huge, awesome world of people eating pizza. I'm just the only one that quit my job and do it for a living. I can't. I find it hard to believe because I feel like you know, and I've met some of these friends of yours. You know, the there's like a pizza scene of pizza enthusiasts in New York, and you know them, and uh, you know they're all also very knowledgeable. You know, like the the experts of pizza. You you are as far as I can tell, and you're in New York City where there's the widest variety and the most delicious pizza. You must know the most about pizza, no? I, I don't think so. Who would know more? I, who would know more? You know what? There are people who make pizza who know a lot. The, the, the really big but difference. But the people who make pizza, like, they're not, go, they're not nearly as uh, into trying every single different place. Like, you are, not that you have to try every place, but you're always trying but new places. But you know places. what? I, I just, I, 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 it's such a weird thing to think about because it's, it's almost like how I feel like I get mad at a restaurant critic who, like, reviews something but then himself cannot cook. Or, like, a film critic who's never made a movie but, like, you know... You know, can trample on other things. I, I, I spend all of my time researching this stuff and, and doing practical experiments at home, making pizza and all that. You didn't always make pizza at home. No. That I started was, like a year or two ago. I, I yeah, a about year a year and, and a half ago. Yeah. Not even two years. I, well, yeah, I was really against it because I feared it, honestly. But it seemed like it came up, it certainly came out today. You must get questions like, I make pizza at home and blank. And now you, yeah. have, you, you need to be prepared to answer that. Totally. Well, it's, it's made me much better at doing the pizza tour. Uh, it's made me, I've known way more about pizza. Like before it was just kind of academic, like I can give you information, but it's got to go deeper than that. Like, yeah, today somebody was talking about how, oh, how come when I'm at making pizza at home, it's, it doesn't stretch or it's too sticky. And yeah, I make, I make pizza maybe twice or two to four times a month, um, maybe anywhere from four to 15 pizzas in a night. And yeah, I learned so much more from, from, from doing that, that I can, I think what separates me from a lot of the like people who make pizza and people who research pizza is that I I try to learn about all different types whereas if you're at a pizzeria that's at one style they know that style but maybe they don't know much about that's why you know the most about pizza of anyone possibly in the world no no well here's the thing if you know the most in New York you probably know the most in America look all, all my only goal is to be well informed and up to date and it's a process that just like making pizza like today a lot of these guys who said they're always perfecting their craft they're never done you know I, I'm always gonna be there's always so much more to learn and actually this relates to what you asked me before about doing the research and how it's gotten more technical lately the thing is I started very broad and I started with 
learning about pizza, visiting a lot of pizzerias, and then knowing like some of the basic information. But then I, I wanted to go further. So if I read a book about pizza, then maybe after that I started reading books about Italian immigration. Then after that I started reading books about the tomato, and then about I love that you're reading and... a book about it to inform your pizza knowledge. You're reading a book about Italian immigration. Totally, yeah, because that's why pizza is different all over the U.S. What's the most like tangentially connected to pizza book you've ever? Oh my read, god, I would... you read for uh, to Can... learn about pizza. We should go. My 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 bookshelf is. You want to like go to your bookshelf? Twenty feet away. Can we do that? Yeah, let's go to let's go to your bookshelf. in Scott's bedroom, the bookshelf literally bending from the sheer volume of pizza books on it. <laughs> pizza books way more than normal books. Take me through this bookshelf. What are we looking at here? Okay, well, the way the way I have it set up is I have, um, as my bookends, I have pizza magazines on either side. There's Pizza Today magazine, there's PMQ, and there's also Canadian Pizza magazine. Uh, and then from the left side of the bookshelf, I've got books that are just about pizza, like the pizza book by Evelyn Sloman, which was like the first book to kind of take pizza into a cultural as a cultural icon. I've got some books that are international books. Like this is one that actually a friend of mine brought from the Netherlands, which feel the cover. It's like soft. Oh yeah, it's like yeah. an actual pizza. And the book is called Just Pizza. It's called Pizza, but it's a, it's kind of a recipe book, but each page on the left side is the recipe and on the right side is a full life-size picture of the pizza. Look how gross that is. That's a, does not look appetizing no, at all. But the book's a cool good. idea. Yeah, yeah, arugula. Okay, I'm gonna put this away. Uh, but you know, like well, then we move on, and I've got some stuff. Actually, over here is one of my favorite sections. Over here, this is the whole section for um, brick ovens. Mm -hmm. So this is a, a book about breads and building brick ovens. Then this is another one about building brick ovens. This is another one about building brick ovens, building a wood-fired oven, uh, cooking with fire, which is um, a company called Earthstone Ovens. I went to uh, visit them in Los Angeles last year, and the guy gave me this book, something he wrote about how to use a wood-fired oven. So, you know, if I'm talking about their ovens, I got to know what they're made of. I got to know how they're built. I got to know everything. Cheese books. There's my whole tomato tomato section. There's what? One, two, three, four, seven books about tomatoes, I think. Yeah, but then there's a new one that just came out, but it's only in hardcover, and I might have to wait for softcover. It's called Tomato Land. It's about how the fresh tomato industry is terrible. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. you know, for, as far as pizza goes, it's all about canned tomatoes, and that's kind of what I'm into. But this is history of bread, which is really cool. And then we get into, you know, books about wheat, books about salt. I have a couple of oh, – this one's amazing, Wheat Flour. It's totally science book. It's incredible. Let's well, uh, your bedroom kind of a shrine to pizza. While we're in here, let's look around. What, what's up with the uh, pizza box collection? That Yes, that's my collection of international pizza boxes. What's, what will we find in there? Well, I've got boxes from, you know, I haven't done a tally lately. I know I have, a, I see, I, I do have a tally of how many, I have 114 uh, in, unique boxes. And you can tell because there's a piece of paper hanging off the pizza boxes that just says 114. Yes, true. I, uh, I just updated that. But anyway, it's got 114 unique boxes from, mostly from different countries. I would say I probably have 30 countries covered, and that's like, I've, I've got, like Ecuador and Australia and Costa Rica and Spain, France, obviously a bunch from Italy. I've got Kazakhstan. I just got some recently from, oh, where was it? Maybe Morocco. I mean, like from all over the place. Whenever people travel or whenever I have people on pizza tours who are then going back to their homeland, uh, they always know they can send me a pizza box and I'll send them a Scott's Pizza Tours t-shirt. What is your favorite pizza box in your collection? I have one actually that I have, I have two of and I have one up on the shelf and one down here that I'm going to be mounting on the wall and it's, um, it's from Italy, made in Italy. I got this one actually uh, from France but 
it's got a guy making pizza on the front of it, and he looks just like George Clooney. Oh, uh, yeah. I was thinking John Travolta, but you're right. It's George Clooney. Totally George Clooney. My, my, my Clooney box. I love it. It's probably my favorite. But look at this. Like, I, I, I'll have like, to get you a picture of this because it's really yeah, – it's the, the printing goes off the edge. Yeah. Most American pizza Bleeds, boxes yeah. – Yeah, most American pizza boxes are printed within the edge. This is full color. Like, and that's why I'm so intrigued. But I started collecting pizza boxes because, you know, pizza boxes sort of like the necessary evil of pizza eating. I, I hate delivery pizza. I don't put pizza in boxes. I feel like it's a it's a death sentence. It's like a coffin for pizza. And I find that all these different pizza boxes from all over the world are so different from each other, but they also try to, like, achieve different engineering statuses. Like, actually, lately, I've been reading a book. Crap, do I have it with me? Yeah, I've been reading this book lately. I guess I was reading it on the train this morning. Um called the evolution of useful things because i'm really interested in how inventions change over time and right now i'm working on a project that's about the evolution of the pizza box uh and i'm just really intrigued by how different countries approach pizza boxes because there's an engineering feat that has not yet been attained which is keeping the pizza hot while letting enough steam escape so this crust doesn't get soggy how do americans rank on their pizza boxes who's come the closest to achieving this perfect pizza box we're pretty low but there's a company uh, that's been making pizza boxes that has a coating that they're putting in the inside of the boxes that's supposed to whisk away oil and grease. So that's going to keep the boxes recyclable because you can't recycle a pizza box once it's gre- really greasy. Um, and that company actually is sending me a couple of samples. I haven't got them yet, but I'm really psyched. We're, we're, we're kind of way behind. There's a company in Italy that has, that's, as far as I'm concerned, is the leading pizza box on the planet. But, uh, but it's also a really expensive pizza box. I've also have some that are recyclable. Like there's one up here that's a white one that's all, it's plastic. And the idea is that you basically buy it from the pizzeria, and every time you come in, you give them your old one, and they give you, like, a new one, and it's basically recycling the pizza box. How much pizza do you eat? That came up on the tour today, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, um, right now, I'm, I'm eating about 15 slices a week. Um, I try to max it out at 15, so... Keep it just under two pizzas. Yeah, I try to... I don't know why I chose 15, but I know la- this time last year I was doing about 30 a week, which was... Yeah, it was. But you're, you are not. Not a bragging. I'm not like bragging. It was just like I was just. I was eating a lot of pizza for you know these projects and for all these things. But now I'm really trying to keep it down. People probably can't tell over this bold new medium of podcasting, but you are not a fat man. Yeah, but but and part of it is because you know when I do walking tours, you know I'm walking. We're walking like at least a mile and a half. But I also ride my bike into the city from Brooklyn every day. Uh, I try to swim once or twice a week. And I do, I do eat a lot of pizza, but I also try to regulate everything else I eat. You know, and may, maybe it'll catch up with me. But you mentioned so this, so you mentioned on the tour that you have a very regimented breakfast. Yes. Oh yeah, oatmeal in the morning with a little bit of cinnamon, handful of uh, raisins, and a banana. Sometimes an apple instead of the banana, and if when I can, a grapefruit. Just for digestive purposes. Totally, the grapefruit's really good. Very acidic, helps your digestion. You got to eat it before you eat the oatmeal, though, or else you can get gassy. Once I was meeting you to go somewhere, I think we were actually going to get pizza, and you were at Lombardi's just finishing up some business, and I remember that you had, you had just gotten your laser thermometer, so you can tell, which was a huge day for you. Oh, yeah, I remember that day. Well, that was, I was, you know, the business that you're talking about was I had just gotten my laser thermometer at my mailbox in Midtown, and I went to Lombardi's to try it out. And a laser thermometer is you can just, it's like a laser pointer. It's, point, inf- it's an infrared thermometer, so I, you can point it at something up to 30 feet away and be able to tell the surface temperature. And you were, I, I wish I had video of this, because you were bouncing around the Lombardi's kitchen right by the oven where you do the tours too, but you're bouncing around the Lombardi's kitchen, and you're like, 800 degrees, oh my God, let me try it from here. And no one else cared. The people that worked there could not have been less interested. <laughs> yeah. you, and you were, 
You were way more into it than the people who were actually making the pizza. Yeah, because, you know what? I mean, part of that is just because, you know, I, I've, first of all, I like gadgets. Who does not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, these guys make pizza. They don't care what the temperature is. They just know when the oven's working because they if the pizza comes out right, then it's right. They don't have a thermometer at Lombardi's. I come in there with the, with the gadget, and like it puts the number down, and some of the guys see it, and they're like, oh, it's 900? Oh, that makes sense because, yeah, the pizzas are coming out faster because for them, it's like, it works in the opposite direction. They know the pizzas are coming out right, so they think it's it's the right temperature, which I guess is 850 or whatever. They, they you seem to imply earlier on the tour, they, they're just kind of feeling it. They're like, oh, fire's not that hot today. We're going to throw in some more wood. They're not really, like, measuring it. No, totally. It's totally by feel, which is what I respect so much about the craft. Because it's not about the number, it's not about the temperature in the oven, it's about how is the product coming out. I only use that gadget because on tours, it's, it's fun to show people actual numbers. Because then you learn more a lot about, like in an oven like at Lombardi's, the right side of the oven is so much hotter than the left side. Because the coal is on the right side. I could tell you that, and I can tell you that it's 1,000 on the right and 700 on the left. But if I show you it's 721 on the left and it's 958 on the right, it's, it's a lot more real. And I, you know, I, I don't like just spewing out numbers for numbers sake. I want I want people to actually get, you know get the straight up dope. Right Plus, away. it's just fun when you pull out toys like oh. when every every time you go into that enormous pizza bag backpack you have. I think there's there the whole crowd's like ooh what's coming up next. Yeah, you know there, there's certainly an amount of uh, there's a theatrical nature to everything. Is it a performance? Because I don't you know you I have the pleasure of knowing you outside of your pizza tour hosting and you're not that different. No, totally. I mean I I still think I mean the pizza tour is definitely has performance aspects to it. But it's not something that I, like, put on a show because I think people expect it. You know, I think people only expect it because they've read it in reviews, and those people who wrote those original reviews saw what, exactly what was going down. I really get excited when something awesome happens on a tour. You know, like today, I was really jazzed when we were getting to David's house to go to his backyard pizza oven. Uh, you but- saw, you also, you, we saw that new pizzeria that you had never seen before. Oh, that was so crazy. Oh, my God, I can't wait to research it. It's called... Um, the Da Vinci Cone. The Da Vinci Cone. And I guess it's Cone Pizza, which yeah. is another weird thing. Yeah, and it's and it says right under it, like... Is that you, new Cone Pizza? Uh, not really new. I, it's going to sound ridiculous. I first saw it at the Pizza Expo in Atlantic City in 2006. Mm-hmm. But um, I saw that Pizza Cone, and then it came out. It's in Queens. There's a place in Queens, and there's a place in Manhattan that they both have the Pizza Cone. And I haven't had one in any of the newer places since uh, 2006. But I'm going to check out Da Vinci Cone. I, and it uses the Da Vinci Code writing. I can't wait to check it out. You know it's where so they awesome. have it at? Uh, they have Cone Pizza at, uh, I don't know how to say it, but Da Michele? Yeah, the, Da Michele. The, which, by the way, their Michele pizza was incredible. Yeah, it was good, right? It was so good. Yeah, and I, it's totally different. With the truffle. That's Lutzo's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was not like Lutzo's. Totally different. I had Lutzo's last night. Oh, I almost took us there as an emergency with the rain. Um, but yeah, oh man, Da Vinci Cone's so cool. No, no, I mean, I, there's definitely performance aspects to the thing, you know, like, I definitely know that people like, you know, like, like, ramping up the architecture of the tour, which we were talking about before on the bus, you know, like, knowing that the first place has to be a specific vibe, the third place is when certain things can happen, like, there's, there's architecture like that, and I definitely, I've learned how to play off the, the, uh, the nature of the rise and the build, the peak, um, but, I mean, yeah, everything that I'm, any excitement about pizza is totally pure and real. Otherwise, you would you'd smell a fake a mile away. Someone asked me on the tour today, uh, while while your back was turned, someone was like, "Does he do other tours too?" And I was like, "Nope, just pizza." Yeah, because because you're such a good tour guide. I think they were like, "Oh, he just must be he just must run a variety of tours." Uh, two days ago, somebody on the pizza tour was like, from the very beginning, she was like, "You're a fabulous tour guide. You should go to Disney." 
And then like every time I turned around, she'd say to me, she'd just look at me and go, Disney. It was the weirdest thing Disney ever. Disney doesn't have tour guides. I know, but I, I think, I don't know what she was talking Maybe about. Maybe those jungle safari, you could do, you would be a good, you would be an excellent jungle safari cruise guide. I know, but it's weird. And like, I mean, you know me, like I never planned on like, oh, I'm going to be a tour guide. No, but you know what it reminds me of uh, is when you used to tour with your band, that you were always very good on stage. You were very, you, you were very you're a good musician, good on stage, but you all very very good at banter with the crowd. Yeah. You you were always planning the tours, like you know, calling up everywhere, doing the mileage, and figuring out all that stuff, and bantering with the crowd. And I know it wasn't what you were planning, but it seems like at least a little bit that somewhat prepared you for what you're doing now. Oh, it totally did, and that's why that's why you know like. When pe- sometimes people ask me, you know, if I miss doing music because that was always like that was that was my life. That was like everything about what I did was like doing music stuff. And you know, I really do miss it. But I'm using the exact same parts of my brain to do this. You know, like I, the the entertainment value and like there's just so much that's similar about doing pizza tours um, that it was for music. And what's funny is there was an article recently about how how like being into food is like the new indie rock. You know, like people mm-hmm. are now like hipsters are like. You're really yeah. into food. That's what you do. And I'm like, oh, my God. That's like I totally fit that profile. How is writing, recording, touring similar to running the pizza tour? Well, there's that organizational aspect that you just mentioned where, yeah, I'm calling up. What's the difference between calling up a venue and calling up a pizzeria? Well, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to bring a lot more people to the pizzeria than I would to any venue. So, like, you know, it's like I, it's, it's a little easier, I think, talking to the pizzerias. But, yeah, it's the same kind of thing. We're organizing that stuff. Uh, dealing with people, you know, it's it's all about dealing with people, and that I think that's why people say maybe that I make a good tour guide is because I I, I just genuinely like hanging out with people. It's I have fun. this very clear memory. I'm sure you don't remember this. This is this is really going back. Oh man, but I have, but I have this really clear memory of um, you and I when we're very young. We must be like seven or eight or something like that because uh, we've known each other that long. And we are at my father's store because my father used to own this uh, these this fashion finds. Fashion finds. Plug it. So we so we're at fashion finds, and I remember you and I were just generally being weird. I don't exactly remember what we were doing. I think we were like singing Weird Al lyrics or something like that. Just generally, you know, we were kind of we. Were, this is gonna be very hard for you listening at home to imagine. But we were it's kind like nineteen eighty eight. We were kind of weird kids. Yeah. And uh, I remember someone like one of my father's employees or just someone at the store looking at us and being like. What are those two going to do when they get older? <laughs> and, and that I, really happened. That, this really I happened. I don't remember that at all. I, and I think it stuck with me because I think it was maybe the first time, like when I was a kid, that it like occurred to me that I would have to have to do choose. something. It was like it just like clicked in my brain, like, oh my god, I'm gonna have to work one day. And I, I wish I could go back in time and show her what we're doing now. It's so funny. I wonder if that like that memory has like inspired you to like to prove that person wrong you know because like what you you do like you write and you do shows about video games yeah. and like you talk about stuff that just that you're psyched about and like i just eat not, unlo- not unlike yourself yeah so it's, it's exactly the same we've proven her wrong we totally have oh you know we should track her down you want to do that we should tr- throw it in her stupid let's call face. your dad right now let's get my dad on the phone let's drive up i'm gonna push a pizza in her mouth and you can i don't know strangle her with a nintendo cable so we're gonna go find her uh, also, we should mention your music, by the way, is the theme song to the show. That's right. Intro this, and outro. Booyah. In, intro. Double licensing. Boom. Didn't even ask you to use the outro music. I was just like, by the way, it's the outro music, too. Yeah, you texted me, and I was like, cool. So you do the intro music and outro music for the show at, uh, with your as as your band, the Bikini Car Wash Company. How can people get more information about Scott's Pizza Tours? Uh, Scott's Pizza Tours.com. 
one-stop shopping for all the info you need. You can also get Bikini Car Wash Company album on iTunes. Perfect. You're you're already in iTunes you're getting already. this podcast. Uh, Scott, thank you so much for doing this and taking me on the tour today and let me use your music and you know. You also you also taught me how to use these microphones because I don't know I know I know anything about microphones. These microphones, literally, the microphones we're recording on this whole show are also yours. That is true. So this show owes a great debt to you. Thanks again. Well, I owe a debt to you. Thanks for having me. That is this week's Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin Show. Next week, I am going to be joined by Sarah Schneider, and we are going to be talking to a man who has written and directed over a million porno parodies, like 30 Rock, the XXX version, Office, the XXX version. You can stay on top of new episodes of the Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin Show at my blog, jeffrubinjeffrubin.com, at my Twitter, at Jeff Rubin Show, and, of course, at my Facebook fan page. I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.